The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so, you know, many weeks ago, uh, we started a series, and uh, today we're hopefully going to land the plane. We've been talking about uh, the grace of God and its effects. We've been talking about, you know, uh, uh, the book of Romans, which is really the Apostle Paul's masterpiece uh, on grace. And so we looked at, uh, you know, uh, two chapters at a time uh, so that we could cover ground. Chapter number one, all the way to chapter number six, you know, it talks about our position in Christ. uh, So talks about our new identity spiritually and uh, we looked at chapter number one the apostle paul says man i'm not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of god unto salvation and so we learned that you know the gospel is what releases the power what is the gospel the gospel is the almost too good to be true news of what jesus did for us at the cross can i get an amen and so from chapter number one all the way to chapter number seven the apostle paul is revealing to us that salvation is not by works the salvation of God does not come based on what you do or don't do the salvation of God came by what Jesus did for us at the cross and when you put your confidence and trust in that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth then you can receive of that inheritance amen and so we 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 learned that spiritually when we do that uh, we change locations we become uh, positioned in Christ we become free and not you know prisoners Uh, we are set free we are redeemed from the bondage and the dominion of sin and then the apostle Paul you know takes a turn at chapter number eight and he starts to reveal to us what that means in everyday living because what good is it just to have spiritual truths that work in heaven while you are here on the earth what good is it to have spiritual blessings uh, but your landlord won't take spiritual money can i get an amen and so the apostle paul is really trying to make it practical so that we can get the benefit out of it and so in chapter number eight it's just to show us that because of what jesus did at the cross there is no need for you to now live in condemnation it's just to reveal to us because of what jesus did on the cross uh you and i can never be separated from the love of god you know circumstances are gonna try but they can't so it's showing us how you can apply it in everyday living watch this now so that you can get the victory also in your natural life amen and he goes on in uh, chapter number 9 10 11 he starts telling us how israel fits in the picture and then in chapter number 12 he continues from chapter number 8 to reveal to us how really we can get the benefit out of uh you know all of this all of these spiritual truths how do they translate into everyday living 
How do they translate into, you know, going to work? How does that translate into the way I serve God? And so he says in chapter number 12, you know, we must offer our bodies as a pleasing sacrifice before God. Why? Because now we have dominion over sin. And so we can take care of our bodies and we can uh, present them before God in a manner that uh, uh, please him. And he says in uh, chapter 2 of that, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So he's showing us how all of this applies in the natural. And he continues, you know, in chapter 13, uh, in the, with the same mindset, and, and in chapter number 13 is showing us, revealing to us how all of this uh, will fit in a secular world. Because when you get born again, you are not translated uh, to start living in a bubble. You still have to interact with the world out there. You still have to interact with its craziness, with the, you know, the people out there. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to show you how your position in Christ can be translated into natural uh, uh, just secular, uh, everyday living. Amen? I said amen. And so we see here in chapter number 13, the Apostle Paul starts by addressing how we relate with government. And so he says in Romans 13 verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And so here he's showing us that the idea of government was set up by God. God is the one that you know brought this idea, and so you and I should be subject or we should be submissive uh, to the laws as long as they are in line with God's word. Of course, if they start saying you can't worship God, then you might have to turn into a, a Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and, uh, or uh, Paul and Silas, right? You may have to, to, to disobey that. So as long as the laws are in line with the word of God and what God says in his word, we are to be uh, submitted to them. Verse 2, therefore, we ever resist the authority, resist the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. By the way, he's not, he's not talking really about personalities here. He's talking about the idea of government. He says, for rulers are not terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise of the same. We shouldn't seek out their praise, but we should do good because that's what the Bible places a demand on us for because we've been and redeemed uh, from you know sin and from the curse and from all these uh, terrible things amen so we're not doing it to try and get people's approval we are doing it because this is who we are and so he says for he's a uh, he's god's minister uh, to you for good uh, but if you do evil be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil verse 5 therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath but also for your conscience sake for because of this also pay taxes <laughs> not a single amen I thought I was gonna get a you know a, a, an applause, Pastor. You're preaching good. I thought I was going to get an amen or something. He says, 
<laughs> for because of this, also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Verse 7. Render therefore to all their Jew taxes to whom taxes are Jew, customs to whom customs are Jew, fear or reverential fear. You know what uh, Cliff was talking about. He says, render reverential fear to whom reverential. You know, it's funny. He said, you know, uh, uh, guys fear their wives. <laughs> this pastor was preaching on the same thing and he said, says um, all of the guys who, who, who get told what to do by their wives, lift up your hands and I'm in the whole place. All the guys were like, yeah, I'm, yeah I, know, I know how that goes. And there was one guy, you know, and he had his hand down and uh, the pastor was surprised. He says, bro, how did you do it? What about you? Why is your hand down? He says, oh no, she told me to keep it down. <laughs> he says, oh man, she, she told me. She told me to keep it down. And so verse, what, what, what verse, uh, so verse 7 is interesting. Watch this now. Verse 7 is interesting. And this one is for the church. It's for Christians. He says, render taxes uh, to whom taxes are due. So you don't cheat on these things. You don't cheat on these things because God is your source, not uh, take uh, uh, tax uh, uh, savings. Oh, not a single, not a single, oh, not a single, amen. It says customs, to whom customs is Jew. And so he's talking about, not only is he talking about a, a, a authority at a governmental level, he's talking about authority in every sense of the word. So if you go to families, for example, they have authorities there. They have a, a, a governing uh, system that they have. In, for, I had a young person come to me many years ago and said, Pastor, now that I've been born again and I'm a Christian, uh, uh, I'm going to get married next month, but I will not pay a penny in Lobola. I said, why? Why? He said, because I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed <laughs> from these customs. And so I said to him, brother, if you read the Bible, if you read your Bible, you would understand that the Bible actually instructs us to render customs to whom customs are due. Of course, you don't go there and make covenants with all kinds of crazy things. But, but the reason that institution was established, and there are those who will say, you know, uh, uh, you, you uh, pay a bride money to get a wife, right? That's the majority of, of the Southern Africa, right? They say you, you pay. And then as you go up to East africa the, the they switch it up you pay the groom some of you like man I, I was born i was born in the wrong neighborhood <laughs> marshall is looking at me like what pastor what did you say say that again too late bro but here's the deal Here's the deal is that the, the, the reason they put those things was not to try and get money out of you the reason they put those things is to put order in the in the system so that when you come to our families not when you do it at uh, you get introduced at uh, uh, what's that thing called cabanas ah! what is it called cubana when you there's a difference between when you get introduced at cubana and when you come and meet the elders or the authorities the governing systems of our family and you look us in the eye and you say i want your daughter and we we receive of your gifts and we shake your hand and we say young man you can have my daughter hey, that's a different ball game from hey meet my friend 
And so he's saying we must be uh, submitted to these authorities as well because it takes your life to a new level of protection, a new level of honor, and you start to operate at a completely different level. And so I know we are in 2022, and some of you think it doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm here to announce to you that the Bible still expects you to get involved with that because you must rent customs to whom customs are due. And I know that when they instituted those things, they were not trying to get money from people because the amount of money they used to raise kids is probably a trillion times more than what you pay on that day. Yeah. And then trying to get rich. There are, of course, those who might try and benefit out of it, but it's the exception. It's not the general rule. Can I get an amen? And so he says, render custom. We ought, we ought to be Christians. We have, you know, some sense. I'm just saying. And not try and get to a place where we spiritualize everything. He says this here. He says, fear to whom fear is. He's talking about reverential honor. If you get invited to, to meet the president, don't just show up like, you know, I'm a child of God. So, you, you know, no, no, no. You ought to come with some reverential honor. You ought to bring some. If those boys tell you, hey, around the president, we don't want you putting your hands in your pocket and fidgeting and doing all, you better honor that. Because they'll take you out. Can I get an amen? amen? And so we ought to be, you know, uh, uh, earthly useful as much as we are spiritually established. So you know, sometimes you can become so spiritual that you become earthly useless. Not you guys, the guys who didn't come. <laughs> amen. amen? I said amen. amen. There's a way to, to, to honor these people. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And the goal is so that we can build bridges so that we can get an opportunity to preach the gospel to all these different people. And so he says, honor to whom honor is due. So we, we, we you know, the, the uh, biggest sign of spirituality is, is understanding authority. And so you want to know uh, people who are spiritual. People who are spiritual always know who is in charge. So when I get to the airport, uh, I know at every stage of uh, my, my trip who's in charge. If, if I get to the security guys and they say, hey, take off your shoes, they are in charge. So I can't be there talking about, you know, I'm a child of God. You can't tell me what to do. Well, take off your shoes if you want to get on this plane. I'm just saying. And so how do we navigate a secular world? We navigate a secular world with this mindset. That God is the one that puts authority so that there can be order. Amen. Amen. Both amongst believers and unbelievers. These things were given to protect us. Can I get an amen? amen. And so if, you, if you're getting you know, married, you need to honor your, your in-laws. Yeah. That's where it starts. If you, in fact, you, know, you need to be careful if you're dating someone who's dishonoring to your, yeah. to your parents. Yeah. Yeah. If someone says, come on in, let's move in together, I don't need to talk to your parents. You don't need a ring to be my wife. Just be there for me. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Romans 14. Let's move right along. Let's move right along. Let's move right along. And I'm telling you, this is, this is good stuff. Amen. He says in uh, uh, Romans 14 verse 1, accept other believers who are weak in faith. 
So now he's transitioned from how we live in a secular world out there. We pay taxes, we honor who we need to honor and things of that nature. And then now he's talking about in the Christian community, in a family like this, how do we treat each other? Watch what he says. He says, accept believers who are weak in faith. In other words, uh, we should always be uh, looking out to care and to disciple each other. He says, accept them. He didn't say criticize them. He didn't say, you know, uh, 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 discuss them and gossip about them. No, he said accept them. Accept those who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. Let me read it in the NKJV, if you will. Verse 2. Let's read it. Let's read verse 2. New King James, please, if you will. He says, for one believes he may eat all things, uh, but he who is weak uh, eats only vegetables. I didn't want to face this way reading this. It's hilarious. I didn't say it. This is not me. This is the Bible, right? He says, for one who believes, he may eat all things, but, you know, the one who's weak, who <laughs> it's only vegetables. It's not me. It's the Bible. Next verse. I'm not picking on anyone. Let not him who eats uh, uh, despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And so he's saying, you know, it's not about whether you eat meat or you eat vegetables, but because the one who eats all things is the mature one, he should be the one making adjustments. You get that? So if you, if you come to my house and I'm the spiritually mature one, instead of, and you don't eat pork, instead of me forcing pork on you, I should be the one that make adjustments. Because I'm the spiritually mature one. That's what he's saying. He's saying when you're in a community and there are those of you who are spiritually mature, the ones who are spiritually mature should consistently make adjustments and make compromises so that they can accept the ones who are weak. Amen. Amen. And so if you say, hey, I can't, uh, 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 I don't eat meat, we may have to change the bry and make it a, a picnic. <laughs> or we can, you know, bry something else. These days they have, you know, uh, 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 hamburger patties that look like uh, meat, but, you know, it's soya. We can bring those so that we can be considerate. Amen. I'm just saying. He's, he's saying the grace of God on you should now be applied, right? And then he says in, uh, in, in, in uh, verse 4, uh, who are you to condemn someone else's servants? He's saying these people don't belong to you. They belong to God. Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some of you think one day is more holy than the other. While others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. And those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord. And since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord. The heart matter is they want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Verse 7, for we don't live for ourselves 
or die for ourselves. Man, this is a big thought. When you come into a community like this, it's not all about you. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? In fact, one of the statements we, we never want to hear at the church office is this is what the people want. Forget what the people want. What does the Bible say? I mean, people will want all kinds of crazy things. The one time they chose a, a, a thief to be set free over Jesus. That's what the people wanted. The people are crazy. <laughs> Forget what the people want. What does the Bible say? Can I get an amen? amen? What does the Bible say? The Bible says we do not live our lives for ourselves. We have to realize that because we are the grace people, we are the ones who have been set free. Now from that day onwards, you are not living for yourself, but you are positioning yourself to allow the grace of God to flow through you so that you can minister to somebody else. That's what it's about. Amen. This is why COVID, the COVID period was so heartbreaking. Seeing how insensitive even the church was. I remember going to the mall. True story. I went to the mall uh, to try and buy a few groceries. And as I was buying, the Lord asked me, he said, are you hoarding? I said, yeah, Lord, it looks like I was about to hoard. He says, don't hoard. Just buy what you need and buy uh, uh, what you would have bought if it wasn't uh, COVID. And I'm walking in and I see people are fighting for uh, uh, toilet paper because they had seen it on the news that, you know, people overseas. Have, I see people fighting. And the Lord said to me, you see them fighting? I said, yeah. He said, do you know there's someone else who can't afford a tin of beans out there? Yeah. And yet these people are fighting for, for, for toilet paper. We became so insensitive, started living for ourselves during the COVID period that people would say things like, oh no, the numbers are going down. Only 200 have died. Only, ah, no, only 200 have died. You can become so insensitive. Even if it's five, ah, only five have died. That, the, those five is someone's brother, it's someone's sister, it's someone's father, it's someone's grandparents. Don't, just five? You're looking at human beings that Jesus died for as a statistic? We can become so insensitive and not realize that the call of God from the day that we get born again is now to live our lives for others. Amen. He says we don't live for ourselves. Listen, you won't be able to make any kind of adjustments if you're living for you. Yeah. Yeah. Me, myself, and I? Amen. Or me, myself, and mine's? You won't be able to make any kind of adjustments because it's all about you. But God is trying to get us to a place of maturity to where we start to live our lives for others. He says we don't live for ourselves or, or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. Here's another powerful truth. That is, you're living for others. Uh, Jesus Christ, the reason why he died and rose again was for this purpose, so that he could be the Lord or the one that directs your life. See, sometimes we can get so far into grace, we don't want to hear the word Lord. You know what the word Lord means? It means now you don't own yourself. When you have a landlord, it means you don't own the house. If you have a Lord, Jesus Christ, it means now you don't get to determine and direct your own life. 
Jesus got to a point where he went to uh, 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 his disciples and people around him and he said, man, you keep using this thing, Lord, Lord, and I have a problem with it. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? You can only be call him Lord if you're listening to what he's saying. And our heart posture with Jesus should be this. How high? If Jesus comes and says, jump, we don't say why. Oh, that, that, that could preach. Amen. When I went to high school, first year in high school, first week actually, the seniors would come and, you know, talk to us and welcome us and give us the unwritten rules of living, you know, uh, peacefully in the school. If you want to be uh, successful at this relationship thing with the seniors, if a senior comes to you and say, jump, uh, what do you say? And the first two days, we had not been schooled. And so we didn't know. We said, if a senior comes to you and says, John, we say, why? <laughs> the wrong answer. <laughs> and then when we finally got the answer, the answer was, how high? And essentially, that's what happens when you become a child of God. You don't direct your own steps. You don't direct your own life. You begin to live as directed by the Lord. And the Lord may instruct you uh, to, to make compromises in the community so that you can be uh, a blessing to somebody else. Realize this, that this is the reason why Jesus died and rose again. It is so that he could be Lord over the living and the dead. Verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? This shouldn't even uh, uh, be, I mean, this, this right here shouldn't even be a part of the Christian community. Uh, condemning somebody else, what that means is writing somebody off. To condemn means to, you know, when they condemn a building, it means they come and they write that building off and say this building is not livable. You can't live in this building. And that's what people do. You know, in, in, they did it, at least in Rome, in the Christian community there. They were condemning each other, writing each other off. He says, man, you can't do that. Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. When you look at another believer, you must look at them through the lens of what Jesus did at the cross. You must look at believers uh, 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 through the mind of Christ and how God sees them. Amen? Amen. This, this way, you won't be able to condemn them or look down on them. Man, we shouldn't be looking down on each other. Amen? Verse 11, for scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Verse 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account. Uh, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Next verse, verse 13. I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. Next verse. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Yeah. You know, in front of them. Yeah. Right? To try and prove a point. That's not going to help them. It's actually 
uh, going to move them away from the faith. You are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone uh, for whom Christ has died. So we are looking at every person through what Jesus did for them. Jesus died for them, so they must be of value. So I can make little adjustments to accommodate them so that they can have a fruitful relationship with the Lord. I don't want to be the one that becomes a stumbling block to another believer. In fact, Jesus said, if you become a stumbling block to these little ones, it may be as well that you are, uh, they tie a big bolt on you and throw you under the sea. That's how much Jesus values the people that he died for. So he's teaching us how to relate one with another. Next verse. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Next verse. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but uh, of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Next verse. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve you too. He's talking about maturity. Next verse. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. He says this should be our goal. The goal should be to aim and to shoot for harmony and for unity. Remember when Jesus prayed in uh, John 17, he says, Lord, I pray. He says, Father, I pray that you, just as you and I are one, may you make them one. And when you do that, the world will know that you sent me. And so this is a, a very powerful thing that, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. Let's quickly go to uh, chapter number 15. Chapter number 15, he starts talking about mentorship and how we can lift those up and carry each other's burdens and so on and so forth and he says in Romans 15 from verse 1 we then that are strong how many strong people do I have in the building just lift your hand if you eat meat you, you know you're the one I'm talking to <laughs> anybody eat meat you're the strong one so he's talking to all of you he says this we then that are strong ought to bear infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves he's bringing a hot attitude into the christian community of caring one for another carrying each other's burdens and he says let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification for even christ pleased not himself he wasn't focused on himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me so the the things that were supposed to come to us fell on Jesus so that we could be set free. Amen. Let's quickly go to Romans chapter 16 so we can ooh, maximize the little time I have left. And this, Romans chapter number 16, you know, what's interesting about all these chapters today is, you know, uh, most people, when they read the book of Romans, myself included, uh, they stop at chapter 12 and then they don't read the rest of the book. You know, the rest of the book, they feel it's too natural, it's too kind of, it's too why do I need to learn about it? too man come on yet this is what we need if we're going to translate the grace of God into the natural places that we live amen and so in chapter number 16 the apostle Paul begins to mention the people that had served in the ministry he mentions about 28 people and uh, 26 he mentions them by name and uh, these are people that we've never heard of None of you have ever heard of these people, yet God found it worthy to mention them in the Bible. Yeah. Can you imagine just if, man, can you imagine if your name was in the Bible? Yeah. Romans 16. I would be walking around saying, bro, <laughs> 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 have, you read, have you been reading the Bible? <laughs> Someone comes to you and says, man. Who are you? He says, man, are you reading the Bible? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Bro, have you read the Bible? 
I guess that's why the Lord didn't put my name in there. <laughs> and so these are people we've never heard. But what we learn from the Apostle Paul, uh, before we even read these uh, uh, people's stories, is number one, you know, ministry is a team sport. If the Apostle Paul is going to write two-thirds of the Bible, he's going to need some people to uh, take those letters and deliver them. He's going to need some people to read those letters. He's going to need some people to coordinate the movement and really minister to the people that are going to be touched by this message. And so one of the things we learn is that ministry is a team sport. Even the Apostle of Grace, the Apostle Paul, needed a team around him for him to be able to accomplish uh, what God uh, wanted him to accomplish. And so he starts, you know, giving shout-outs to all these different people uh, and puts them in the hall of fame in Romans 16 verse 1. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a deacon in the church of Sestria. Now that word deacon is diconia which means uh, a servant. And so when Phoebe is being commended here for being a faithful servant and he says in verse 2, he gives a big shout out. Now think of it this way. You know, you 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 you're just busy minding your own business and serving the Lord. And one of the biggest ministers of our time gives you a shout out. That's what's happening here. Paul, I mean, it doesn't get better than Paul giving you a shout out. And Paul is giving a shout out for being a servant. Because ultimately, that's what God recognizes. That's the leadership that God recognizes. You know, uh, this week I had the opportunity of you know, going to Heidelberg uh, where we were meeting with the directors and some of their staff at Caris Bible College and we were doing leadership you know, training there. And one of the things that I was teaching them on was on uh, servant leadership. That's what we call it. But this thing uh, 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 really is, 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 is the definition of leadership. There is no leadership without, being, without serving. Amen? So there's no servant leadership and any other kind of leadership. All leadership, if it's true leadership, is going to serve. In fact, there's a guy, uh, I think his name is Truth Cathy. He's the one who started a, a, a restaurant franchise in America called Chick-fil-A. It's the only restaurant that has seen growth for 50 years in a row. And the reason is because uh, uh, one of their main pillars in their culture is service. Not just to the, to the customers, but to their staff. So the bosses, you know, we call them bosses. They are not bosses. They are servant leaders who serve their staff. And because they serve their staff, the staff serve the customers. It was voted the happiest place in America ten times in a row. Wow. Say, so I want to be a Chick-fil-A because I know I'm going to. It's not about the burgers. There are other places that make great, better burgers than them, but they know how to uh, serve people and to care for people. And because of that, they are seeing results. Where did they learn that? They learned that in the Bible. In fact, the founder of Chick-fil-A was a Christian, served in the Sunday school for 50 years while he was one of the richest people in America. Powerful man of God transferred that to his children, and his children now are continuing the legacy of service. And man, you go to that place, everyone is ready to serve. If you have children, they're ready to you know help you with the uh, 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 with the with the stroller. They help you. They help you with with your children. They get you the food. They get you a nice place to sit. If you say thank you, all of them, it's almost like they are robots. They are trained to say it's my pleasure. Makes people feel good. Happiest place when there are churches. Can you imagine a burger joint was voted 10 years in a row when there were churches in the land? Church, the place, the house of God should be the happiest place in the world. Amen. 
But we're not going to be accomplish that if we're thinking about ourselves. And I get an amen. Amen. And so uh, we see here Phoebe, right? Uh, uh, She's mentioned in Paul's Hall of Fame because of her heart uh, to serve. In fact, Jesus modeled this just before he he was crucified and he was getting ready to turn his ministry over to uh, his uh, disciples. He he modeled this. He modeled that the greatest among you should be uh, the one that served. In the day, the tradition of the day was, you know, when people came to your house, you would wash their feet, but not you, the host, but your your workers, out of your workers, uh, the lowest ranking worker the slave of the slaves the lowest would go and wash everyone's feet and the reason was because they didn't have clothes shoes like us they had sandals and so they would walk around in the market and step on blood you know animal blood step on dung step on dust and things of that nature and so when they came into the house before they eat a meal they didn't want that stuff to you know uh, uh, mess you up uh, they would wash your feet but you wouldn't do it it was the lo- lowest ranking slave in the house and so Jesus is sitting with his disciples they're getting ready to eat the last supper and jesus said you know what I, i'm i'll be the lowest ranking uh, servant in the room so i'm gonna wash all your feet mess them up completely and they turned around and say you just had a practical lesson on leadership Man, you don't get into the Hall of Fame. And here's something else I'm going to say about this Hall of Fame. You're not going to see apostle. You're not going to see bishop. You're not going to see a title. But you're going to see function. What the people did. Can I get an amen? This is powerful. And so it says in uh, verse 2, for even Christ, uh, in fact, let's go to verse number 5. Let's go to verse number 5. Likewise, uh, greet uh, the church that is in their house. So they had a house church, which we call life group, right? Salute my well-beloved uh, Eponitus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Uh, did I skip some verses? I went to five from three. Let me go to four. Let me go to four. Let me go to four. Uh, three. Actually, let me go to three, right? Let's go to three. Sixteen, three. Watch what it says. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, that alone could preach because in those days, they usually always started with the man. When they would spell out names, they, they wouldn't say the uh, a wife's name first. They would always say the man. And so, with Priscilla and Aquila, it's interesting because everywhere it's mentioned, they always start with Priscilla. And Bible scholars believe it is because she's the one God had called to lead the ministry that was bestowed uh, on the two of them. And so he's talking here about Priscilla and Aquila. He says, they are my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, for those who don't believe, you know, women must preach. This will help you, you know. Uh, Verse (coughs) 4. Let's go to verse 4. Okay, I'm going to read it from here. Verse 4. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them and uh, so all the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. And so not only did Priscilla and Aquila, uh, um, you know, work with the Apostle Paul, they also opened up their home uh, so that they could host church in their home. What we call that in this church is, is life groups, right? Where people meet every week in, in a home, in a home setting. And so many amazing things happened uh, at their house. You know, there were business people, Priscilla and Aquila. But so many great things came out of this house. If you go to Acts 18, 24 to 26, you'll see something powerful happening there. Acts chapter number 18. I'm going to end with this. Acts chapter number 18 from verse 24 to 26. It says, Now a certain 
uh, man, a certain Jew named Apollos. Apollos is a, a big uh, apostle, a f- big figure in the uh, uh, early church. He's, he, he's as influential as the apostle Paul to a certain extent to the point that the church at Corinth, I mean, it was so divided. Some people uh, saw his influence so much so that they started saying, man, me, I'm of Apollos. He was that influential in the church and that powerful. And how did he grow to become Apollos? What happened? This, this tells us, you know, a Jew named Apollos born at at uh, Alexandria, an eloquent man and a and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. Next verse. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he sport, spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, uh, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he was a zealous man who had uh, uh, understanding, he had a certain revelation, but his revelation was limited. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained him the way of God more accurately. And so when these two heard of him, they went to his meeting and they saw what he was teaching and they said to him, hey, why don't you join us? for life group they took him separately he said why don't you come to our house and we're going to explain some things there's some things hey you are full of zeal and you're excited but there's some things that are missing and they took him aside and and man i'm telling you when you when you stop living for yourself amazing things begin to happen you begin to reach people uh, that God has big destinies for. But when you're just thinking about yourself, you can limit your entire life experience and impact just to yourself. And so Priscilla and Aquila, I mean, they ministered to this guy, uh, Apollos, and he became the big apostle uh, that, you know, ministered and was uh, Paul's uh, fellow worker. If you read in uh, uh, verse 13 of Acts 16, we see another name that's interesting, and it's Rufus. And it says, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who is also my mother. The Apostle Paul is talking about this guy, Rufus. And Rufus was actually an African who uh, uh, was a son of Simon the Cyrene. You remember Simon the Cyrene who carried uh, Jesus' cross, who was from West Libya. And this guy, Rufus, uh, was a part of the church in in Rome, and he was an African. And so people who say uh, this is a Western religion don't know what they're talking about. Africans have been in the mix from day one. Can I preach up in here? Uh, Let me end with this. Verse 18, uh, verse 16, actually, 17. I'm skipping a lot of verses because my time is up. Uh, Verse, where did I tell you to go? Verse 18. 17. 17. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. And so he's talking about all these different people, right, that served and so on and so forth. And he says, with regards to those that bring offense and um, uh, divisions, just avoid them. He didn't say fight with them. Did y'all see that? He said just avoid them because ultimately the goal is unity. It is the unity of the saints. And so he says, if someone starts to cause division and, and offense, they're bringing offense, man, just avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. 
for your obedience is come abroad unto all men, and I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. I'm going to end with this. This is a powerful statement in, uh, in, in verse number 19. He's, the Apostle Paul is encouraging them to be wise, and that word, they wise, means to be full of understanding, to be sophisticated. He's telling them to have a PhD in that which is good, and on the other extremity, he's telling them to be simple, to be a simpleton, to be dumb, to be retarded, regarding that, that which is evil. That's how faith functions. Faith is wise in good and in God and in truth and simple in that which is evil. And people have swapped it around sometimes. They become so wise in the sicknesses and diseases that are tormenting them. I'm preaching now in the sicknesses and the divisions and the uh, uh, diseases that are tormenting them. And they don't become wise in the word of God. The truth of God's word. Listen, if you know more symptoms about what's tormenting you and you know more about your problem than you do about by his stripes you are healed, then this scripture is out of whack. Oh, let me bring it closer to home. If you know more about why you should be broke than why you should be prosperous. Now, there are so many people who are sophisticated in the reasons why they should be broke. They'll tell you all. They'll say, how much time do you have? First of all, I'm this color. Second of all, I was born in this place. Third of all, I work this job. And fifth of all, and these are all the reasons why I shouldn't prosper and will never prosper. In fact, it's a family legacy. My forefathers would be shocked if I broke out of this poverty. They are sophisticated. The Apostle Paul is telling us to be the opposite. He's saying, be wise concerning that which is good and be a, be a retard. Be, be a simpleton. You shouldn't even have, it shouldn't even make sense. Hey, why should you not prosper? I don't even know. It, does, it shouldn't make sense. Not to have money? It doesn't make sense. Or just one. <laughs> no, it shouldn't make sense. Right? That's what he's saying. Not to be have uh, uh, healing and to have divine health. It just doesn't make sense. Things not going for me. In fact, most people get surprised when things go well for them. I've gotten to a point where I get surprised when things don't go well for me. Amen. Amen. When you start spending more time in the word of God, you are not surprised by a breakthrough. In fact, people will come to you and say, sir, we, were plan- uh, we, we think we want to upgrade you to business class. Man, what took you so long? <laughs> Have you been looking? <laughs> what took you so long, man? It took you so long. Instead of, ah, me. Ah, I know, I think you're looking for someone else. No, no, no. You should expect favor to locate you. In fact, when you spend more time with God's word, you start to expect good more than evil. Then I expect to go a full year without falling sick. As you spend so much time in God's word, you become established in good and not in evil. Don't Google the symptoms. Google the Bible verses. 
hundred scriptures on healing instead of what does it mean when I'm feeling <laughs> on my left bottom of my and I mean they're gonna give you something. Yeah. <laughs> A few years ago, I was talking to I went to the. Uh, spectacles people, uh, uh, optician, optometrist, and I said, man, I want some glasses. I want zero prescription glasses purely for fashion. This is going to be a fashion statement when I show up and pull them off. And this is, they said, no, no, no. Uh, we want to test you first to see if you actually need glasses. I said, no worry. Don't, you don't need to test me. I know my eyesight works. They said, no, we will find something if we test you. That's what she said. She said, come here on this machine. We will find something if we test you. They will always find something. Yep. Man, you know how you're feeling right now? Go and Google. What sickness is it when I'm feeling joyous and full of joy and I'm happy? They will find something for you. No, true story. They'll find something for you. They'll find something. But what, what does it mean when I'm always full of joy? They will find something for you and they will prescribe something for you. True story. Amen. I just, feel, I just feel loving to my husband. I just feel loving to my wife. Uh, what does it mean? Go and Google that. Is that a symptom to be loving? They will say, yeah, it's a symptom. We can prescribe something for you. For you to feel some kind of way sometimes. Amen? And so the Bible is saying here, as we grow into that, as we grow into grace, we ought to be wise in that which is good and simple in that which is evil. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so we see here through reading uh, Romans, uh, the entire chapter, the journey that we've been on, that the grace of God uh, can be in vain, right? The grace of God, if we don't allow it to flow uh, through us so that it can, you know, uh, be manifested in, in our lives uh, in, our, in a natural way so that we can touch it. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the way you taste it is if it's in your plate. Amen. And those thi this thing that we're talking about is not a pie in the sky. It's a steak in your plate. Amen? And God wants you to experience it in the natural. And these are some of the ways you can begin to allow the grace of God to flow through you. Amen? Respect the authorities. Give customs to whom customs is due. Honor to whom honor is due. When you come into a community like this, come with the mindset of carrying each other's burden. Is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything I can do to... Many, is there something I should be praying for? That's why God wants us to uh, be together. And when we are together, man, we are a formidable force. When we come together like this, man, we are undefeated why he says do not forsake together the what the assembling do not forsake the assembling together of the saints you know there are guns out there that you can actually dis, disassemble right you can dis, dis, disassemble you can tear it apart now if you tear that gun apart uh, and they do that cleaning the gun right the barrel they can do that take the magazine out if I take the magazine and I just the magazine by itself and I go and I say hey Freeze. Hands up. No one is going to put their hands up. Man, are you crazy? But if I assemble that thing, assemble together, if I assemble that thing and I point at you and I say, freeze, 
you better put your, those hands up because something might happen if I pull the trigger. And so when we are assembled together, there are certain things that can happen when we are assembled together. That won't happen when you are strayed and you are doing your own thing. In fact, the lions prey on, on, on buffaloes that you know stray from the herd. So this is why the Apostle Paul is talking about the unity of the saints and how important it is. When you start getting comfortable being too far away from this crowd here, just look at your neighbors. This crowd here, you need them. When you, you know, when you start getting comfortable being far away from them, just think of this. This is buffalo. This buffalo is straying away. He's straying away. And the lion is praying. He's looking, oh, that one, yeah, that one is straight away. And they pound on you. Amen. This is why I say it's don't forsake the gathering together. The assembling, in fact, that's the word he used, to be assembled so that we can cause major damage for the kingdom of God. Man, I'm telling you, this is powerful. This is where the corporate anointing is. And so we learn how to live in a secular world. We learn how to live with each other as believers. Uh, we learn how to carry each other's burdens. We become wise in that which is good and that we are allowing the grace of God flowing through us and we become a formidable force. It's powerful. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you for every single one of your children under the sound of my voice. Lord, I just thank you, Father, uh, that you have called them, you have equipped them, you have empowered them to live this grace life. Lord, I thank you that as they go into all the world, into all the different uh, mountains that you have called us to lord i just thank you father that you have given them a grace a favor uh, for them to go and uh, uh, be a minister of your grace in all these different places and not only that be a dispenser of your favor that whatever they touch is blessed lord i thank you that uh, even in the natural lord i thank you father that the work of their hands shall be blessed in the natural and that the world will see and recognize that this is the lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes i just thank you father for your favor i thank you for your grace i thank you for your goodness thank you lord jesus Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are doing it. Thank you that it is through uh, uh, your grace flowing through us that everybody will see that you are good. Everybody will see that the hand of God is on us. Thank you that this that we are experiencing here, this anointing that we are experiencing here will begin to make an impact even in our, in our natural, even in, the, in our bodies right now. Lord, I thank you that there is a supernatural healing that is taking effect right now in the name of Jesus, fixing every broken thing. Lord, I thank you that every cell, every tissue, every organ is, is being revived, being healed so that it can function to its perfection by your grace, by what Jesus has done for us the cross thank you father for a supernatural quick work of the holy spirit thank you jesus it is in jesus name that we pray and someone said amen, amen. now i wasn't going to do this but i feel prompted to do this you know by by the holy spirit and, and i don't, I don't want to share this testimony because it's not mine but i'm going to let you know my wife come and and just share with you and uh and and we're gonna we're gonna end with this right but i could i can share it you know but i'm gonna skip a lot of stuff you know so so yeah so i'm gonna so so when 
the reason I'm, I'm doing this is because I want you to see that it's not just a spiritual thing, a pie in the sky somewhere. Uh, you can actually take this grace with you uh, to work. The Apostle Paul says, uh, he says like this, he says, I outworked all the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God uh, flowing through me. Amen. And so something, you know, uh, uh, powerful happened last week, you know, but it's been in the, in the, in the making for uh, seven months. And so what happened? Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of you. Sorry, can you hear me? Testing. Can we have some sound? Okay. Let's see. What's going on? Yeah. One, two. Someone? One, two? Yeah? Testing? No. This one is on? One, two. Yeah, awesome. there you go. Awesome. That's Praise God. One. Praise God. Um, well, where do I even begin? Um, make um, it quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I'll make it very quick. <laughs> we should have probably recorded this. But anyway, it, yeah, I'll have to make it quick. Um, at the beginning of the year, um, it, yeah, it was like seven months ago, um, we got an amazing opportunity to pitch for some business. Um, uh, I work for a bank. I work for a corporate investment bank. Um, um, so I'm a banker. And um, we, we responded to this invitation. We were one of probably 30, 35 banks. Um, that responded to um, a really, so I think really big... I think you're being modest, right? So you were leading the project. Oh, okay, yeah. So she's saying we, right? But it was a team. So you were... Okay, fair point. So okay. you were leading the project, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. and then they said this is the opportunity. Yeah. And the people around you say this yeah. is a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no support. Okay, I really I really had none. Uh, very, very little. Um, because it, it <laughs> these things don't happen... Um, at, at all um, in, in, in the industry, right? These opportunities uh, to get business across, across the continent um, don't, don't happen. Um, so, man, I thank God for His grace because, um, you know, the, 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 the Lord really challenged me. And He said, man, I've, I've given you my grace. <laughs> uh, and my grace is enough, you know. And, um, man, you know, we, we, we pushed through, right? Uh, we submitted our um, application. Uh, man, there was a point where we even wrote um, scripts because the Holy Spirit gave us an uh, innovation to say, uh, you know, while this, this, this client with the video. <laughs> uh, and, and again, we didn't get any support. So we were writing scripts uh, uh, for, for, um, for, for this, this pitch. Um, and man, we, we thank God we walked into this presentation, um, uh, probably shared this testimony, like, you know, went to the bathroom before, because it was like, I felt the whole weight of the bank um, was, was on me, right? Because this was a big deal, guys. Yeah. Um, and so we're um, talking over one point. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of money. It's a lot. Sorry, I can't disclose, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very significant. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then we did our thing. Um, the Lord was with us. Uh, uh, totally wowed um, the client um, to the extent that we, we won the business, guys. Come on. We won the business. Come on. Um, Come on. How many and, banks were uh, in there? About 35, right? So out and of 35, yeah. you guys were the only one that won. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we won, right? Come we won on, the business. The um, and, man, we were, we were the underdog. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, you know, feedback from the client was, man, you won it from day one with the presentation. You won it, right? But, um, um, you know, um, yeah, I don't know how much I can disclose. But, <laughs> yeah, so we were really the underdog. And, and, and man, I just want to encourage someone who just feels, you know, they're, they're truly, truly, truly the underdog. Um, you know, they're not seen. Um, someone who's, you know, trying so hard 
knocking and, 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 and really is not getting support. Maybe it's from work. Maybe it's even from the family. Maybe I don't know what your situation wow. is. But man, God, God has a history um, of, of, of promoting and elevating the underdog, underdog okay? Yeah. And so don't give up, you know, don't give up. You know, God Hallelujah. is on your side. You know, God is always with you. Man, God has a way of really just bringing promotion to your life that even, I mean, my husband was, a, was probably a doubter. I'm going to expose you yeah, as well, was. right? Um, and man, God, God's, God, God always has the final word. Okay, so and let, the, let God, God's grace um, work through you. There's enough grace in whatever God has called you to do. Wherever God has uh, placed you, there's enough grace um, for you to succeed. There is enough grace for you to excel and enough grace um, for you to be promoted. Amen. Amen. Come on. Powerful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so I'm telling you, man, you can take this grace with you to work. You know, uh, whenever you spend time with the Lord, the Lord is going to give you solutions uh, for the mountain that he has called you to. I mean, I, would, I you know, I really love my wife and uh, uh, we connected an emotional level and I didn't want her to be heartbroken. And so sometimes I'll tell her, you know, honey, um, this is a big one. <laughs> Just to prepare because I don't want to have to, you know, wipe the tears off her eyes. And so I'd say, love, I'm just, I'm just, you know, saying maybe, you know, maybe the Lord just wanted you to learn something, <laughs> you know, but uh, man, I saw with my eyes, she's getting bolder and bolder and bolder because she went into the throne room of grace to obtain what? Help in times of need. And say so every time she'd come out from that throne room of grace, she's bolder and she'll say, man, I think we're going to win it. I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and she's bold because she's coming back from the place of solutions. I'm outside. And so I'm thinking, man, I just want to protect my wife from hurt. And she said, man, now I know we're going to win it. This is three months ago. Ooh, boy, I'm like, yo, Father, just give her grace for heartbreaks. <laughs> and then they want it. Amen. And so I'm telling you, as you go out into the marketplace, the grace of God is not just for church. It's for scholarships. Young people, pick the university you want to go to, apply. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've sent, I was a youth pastor for a long time. We sent kids by the, by the drawers to Ivy League schools on scholarships. Because we preach the same thing. We tell them the grace of God is available for you for the marketplace. Not just for church, not just for goosebumps, not just for, you know, uh, uh, whatever we, butterflies, you know, that's going to happen. But I'm telling you, you start using the grace of God out there, you can do things that your peers can't even dream of. Amen? And it's all of this is available for all of us. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who